Hi, I'm Ryan O'Hara, CEO and founder of Pitchfire. You're listening to Take Me Off Your List, presented by Pitchfire. They pay us the big bucks, and if you use them, they'll pay you the big bucks to get paid to get pitched. Take Me Off Your List is the rally cry of millions of B2B professionals out there. This podcast tackles all kinds of things around go-to-market. So whether you're in marketing, demand gen, sales, or just like the sound of my voice, you've come to the right place. Let's get started, shall we? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take Me Off Your List. Today, I have a dear friend, someone that I literally wish I owned a bulletproof vest for that I could jump in front of bullets for, but I don't. I don't own Kevlar. Everybody say hi to Zach Barney. Uh, what do I? What, what do you? What do I call you at Mobley? What do you do? What's your well, job? What exactly do well, you do at Mobley? What is it? <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Is it really jumping in front of a bullet for somebody if you have a vest to protect you? Doesn't that? I'm not going to do it without a vest. I don't <laughs> love you that much. Like if it's a scale one to ten thing, it's like, you know, we've got a will they, won't they, five or six out of ten. It's not. If you were a ten out of ten, I probably wouldn't do it either. <laughs> Damn it, Ryan! I thought we were close. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm the co-founder and CEO at Mobley. Cool, um, yeah, which I just know you as co-founder, so I didn't want to say the wrong thing because I don't know if you guys had like when you first called me about Mobley, I was one of the people you you talked about yeah. with the idea originally because I used to do events and stuff. I remember like I was like I don't know what everyone's going to be doing there, but that's awesome, um, <laughs> dude. Tell people about Mobley if. Everyone that's listening today, the whole scheme of the podcast is really going to be, we're going to be talking a lot about event marketing. Um, I think that that's kind of a sweet spot that Zach has a lot of cool stories from. I can share some cool stories too, but like you also can talk about other stuff too. Like if you want, like you're not pigeonholed into that, but um, yeah. yeah, tell people about Mobley, Zach. Yeah. So the idea for Mobley was born out of, you know, 14, 15 years of building and leading sales teams and starting to have budget to go go do cool stuff in the field and not getting any ROI from it. So I I, I was just, you know, if, if you're a sales or marketing leader and you're good at your job, then you are a very metrics-driven leader. You understand what levers you should be pulling in order to, to make dollars happen. And Field stuff is just a black hole. Uh, it takes the average company 11 days to get leads from an event back in the hands of their sales team, largely due to a lack of integrated processes. And people don't remember you 11 days later. And I saw that. I saw us, you know, in my eyes, killing it at an event and then not getting anything from it because it was taking us so damn long just to make the first follow-up call. Mobley fixes that. We, we built an app that allows you to capture anybody's contact info uh, within just a couple of seconds and have their their info fully enriched and pushed where it needs to be in your CRM or marketing automation platform within 11 seconds instead of 11 days. Ooh, dude, 11 seconds versus 11 days. That's that's a good hook. I'm in. I'm an overachiever, it. man. Like yeah. they, they say your solution needs to be 10 times better than the uh, than the incumbent, but 11 seconds is more than 10 times as fast as 11 days. I actually, so the way I kind of look at it, if people are listening to this for the first time, and don't worry, we're not just going to talk about mobile the whole time. We're going to talk about event stuff in a second. I'm just trying to set the context of about Zach's, yeah. Zach's expertise here. This is like, I've got you on the stand. It's my cousin Vinny. And I'm like, hey, tell, tell me about a Buick Skylock. Give me all the details about it. And he's going to prove that he worked in a garage for 30 years. Um, 
Here's here's the thing that I think is a, it really is actually replacing is the terrible process of badge skinners. Yeah. Um, anyone listening to this that has done event man- management before or marketing stuff knows badge skinners are literally where leads go to die. It's terrible. A rep will go scan somebody. If they have something and they go write a note somewhere, they'll write that down. But like, it'll take weeks sometimes for you to get the badge scan. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the other part people don't talk about. That's huge. You send a rep on the road and they go and get scanned. And they scan people at a conference and stuff. Guess what happens when they come back? They have to do all the stuff they missed while they were on the road. So like while they're waiting for those leads to come back and stuff, they end up, they don't get paid on how well they did at that event. They get paid on leads and closing deals. Closing and, deals, yeah. Yeah, like they're not worried about the stuff. So like if you can streamline and automate a lot of that process, it makes us they have more time to actually work the quality of how they do that outreach with those leads too. Yep, absolutely. So uh, you, you've you been working on this thing for a little while. Um, you guys have a nice crew. I, I'm friends with a lot of the people that Mobley, we like, we sponsored an event in Boston back in September that was really fun. Zach didn't go to it. He was busy. He was too I was busy. at Saster at the same time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you also did that other thing. I don't know if you're allowed to. Yeah, no, I, I think... can share it. I, was, I thought it was going to air today, actually. And then they're skipping Thanksgiving week. So it doesn't air till next Wednesday. But yeah, I so I had to fly to Miami for a TV show. Yeah, there's a, a show called Elevator Pitch that Entrepreneur Magazine puts on. And I got I to gotta pitch Mobley in front of a bunch of investors. You can't obviously you can't spoil how it went or if it was good or anything. But like, was it fun? Like, tell me about it. What was the experience like? Well, hold on. How long till this episode goes live? Oh, that's a good point. I won't throw... I'm gonna, I'll keep this in the recording so people hear the behind the scenes. Um, I got I got two more in front of this. So you, you got some... Okay. Time. So it's not going to go live until the, the episode of Elevator yeah, Pitch. Yeah, I'll yeah. wait. Yeah, I will hold it. So I, I, Yeah, it went great. We we got two investment offers. And the one that I took was from Mark Randolph, who co-founded and was the first CEO of Netflix. That's so cool. I know, I know that guy. I watched a documentary on Netflix a couple months ago and saw that guy talking about how like, Net, this is a crazy story. This is what we want to do on this pod anyway. Netflix used to like to prove out that they could send and ship CDs out. They used to just mail CDs to themselves from the office and see how long it would take. Yeah. And then they get friends in other countries to like test out how far they could ship a CD without it getting damaged to test the DVD sending. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. yeah so he, so, he, so um... what, is, what is it like? Yeah. So you got, you got, how'd you get this? If you're someone listening, you're like, I'm a founder. I want to get this. Did you know somebody or like how to, how to work? I did. So a friend of mine, Danny Beckett, is a general partner at Entrepreneur Ventures. They have a VC arm. Yep. And uh, he was taking a look at Mobley and just kind of put us in the application without us applying. <laughs> so out of nowhere, they're like, hey, congratulations. You've been selected to interview for season 10 of Elevator Pitch. And I had seen like one episode on YouTube. Yeah, me too. Me too. They get like a million views per episode. It's pretty big. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll, I guess I'm interviewing for this. And then a few days later, I hopped on the interview and like, we love you. We want to cast you. So they cast me and gave me all the instructions. It was pretty, it was pretty crazy stuff. Like I had to get a B roll together with a professional video crew showing like, a day in the life of work and at home. Yeah. 
uh, I had to send in a professional headshot and then they flew me down and it was a whole bunch of like backstory recording and a whole bunch of waiting around and you couldn't talk to anybody. And like, um, there were six of us recording that day Yeah, and I was number two after I recorded, I wasn't allowed to see anybody else, tell them how things went or anything. I just had to go. And so I, I like to this day, like three of them have already aired on a previous episode, but the other two that are on the episode with me, I have no idea what happened to them yet. So you're not allowed to talk to anybody before? Are they like worried you guys are going to be like, we can talk. Oh, okay. Okay. But after the fact, once you're done recording your session, you're gone. It's it's like in the bachelor when they like come and grab their suitcase (laughs) and take them out. Uh, It's like that. Yeah. By the way, for people that haven't seen this, um, it's kind of similar to Shark Tank a little bit, except you do. Oh, it it's like... a ripoff of Shark Tank. Let's yeah. let's let's call yeah. it what it is. Yeah. Is there anything involving an actual elevator? <laughs> um, a virtual elevator. Yeah, there's elevator doors. Yeah. And but yeah, it's it's obviously in a studio, so it's not a real elevator. Yeah, I, I, I remember they do they do native ads with an elevator in the background with some of the sponsors of whoever's doing that season. Yeah. You, oh. you, you go into the elevator and you have 60 seconds to pitch and you get one try and at, they cut you off. They cut off the sound at 60 seconds yeah. and then the investors all deliberate and then they vote if they want to hear more. And as long as one of the three of them says they want to hear more that they, they will open the doors. Oh, so I got cool. all three to say yes. Um, I thought I would like, like I, I rehearsed my pitch a hundred times. Because I, I had just come from Saster where I won a pitch competition. Yeah. It was a 90-second pitch. So I was all focused on that. And then I had to, like, cut out 30 seconds of the pitch. And I, I literally rehearsed it 100 times. And then right before going into the elevator, my mind went blank. I was like, oh, crap. I'm going to be that guy who just forgets everything. And there yeah. are plenty of them on the show. And then they had an equipment malfunction. So I had to sit and rest for five minutes and it all came back to me i went back in did it and i took 59 and a half seconds and they told me it was the best pitch they've ever had on the show wow do you want to do it now <laughs> do you no, remember it, are you, it now. Are, what'd you say you don't <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm out of the 60 second zone well now you got some funding too so you don't have to worry about like having to do this it's kind of nice when you you raise some money because you can like you it kind of takes a little bit of stress off on runway and stuff um, totally Zach, a conversation with you guys and Chris, who works on your team, actually like changed a lot about how I'm thinking about building my team out. Because like you guys are basically, you know that if you put money into the business, you'll get money back. And like yeah. that's a really good approach to have it. Let's talk about events now. Um, very cool. Thank you for sharing that story. I wanted to definitely get that captured. Um when when you're going to companies and 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 you're listening to this, let's say you sponsor some events and stuff. First off, what do you see? What's a typical budget that you'd see from like a mid-sized company committing to events every year? Um, I'm seeing about 20% of all marketing budget going to field. Okay, so and, 20, and, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And that's a hybrid of, of self-thrown events and third-party events that you sponsor. Do you, are you typically, I'm noticing obviously, Pre-COVID, we were starting to see the rise of user conferences that companies put on. Um, that's part of that budget too, right? If you do like a user conference thing, it's not just like dinners and stuff. You're talking like if you right. throw on your own a thing, like in our SaaS space, like 
there's, I mean, every company I have basically puts on a user conference or something. Um, are you, so like you, you, you go and do these events, you partition 20% of your budget out. What's the best way to make it so an event doesn't suck? Like, how do you think about it? Actually putting some thought into the whole process and not just showing up and expecting to get leads. That's the biggest mistake. And everybody's like, well, duh, but it will blow people's minds to, to see how common that is. Like, okay, we, this is our ICP. So let's pay for a booth. Let's go pay for new booth properties. Let's send three people. Here's the scanner that we're, that we have to pay for. And then, well, what happened? We scanned some leads and that's it. Right. Yeah. Like that, that doesn't ever pay off. And here's a crazy stat I'm going to throw your way. Only 6% of C-suite executives report being confident in their company's field strategy. Whoa, that's a good nugget. So six more than 19 out of 20. Are like, I have no idea if we're going to make our money back. So if you're a marketer listening to this, your boss probably isn't confident in whatever you're doing. You might be like, look, I've got this spreadsheet of who's going. It's great. These companies are amazing. We're yeah. going to totally get our ROI back. And you know what they're doing. The CEO is going into the bathroom and having a good cry because they look yeah, at no, the we, burn. We <laughs> interviewed a bunch of our customers and um, a bunch of just other event marketers and CMOs. Yeah. Like it, it's almost the opposite. 98% of marketers feel like they're killing it with events. Yeah. So there's a huge disconnect. They have no idea that their head's on the chopping block because they're there in person. They see how well the event's going and it feels good, but they're not getting any concrete attribution to those events, which is, that's the disconnect. And that, that's like the big story behind Mobley is actually getting the ROI and being able to show the ROI from uh, from the field. So, so I mean, the, the way to do it the right way is you plan ahead of time, you understand who you're going to be talking to, you schedule meetings ahead of time, you host side events that aren't sales focused and just build the network and the relationship The in-person is all about building those relationships. And you have well thought out and well executed follow-up. So you're not like everybody else. Like I, I hear this so many times where somebody's like, well, so I can follow up with somebody in Mobley like immediately, right? Yeah. But isn't that weird? Don't people want to have time to come back and, and let their hair down and catch up? No, they don't want that. That's what everybody else says as an excuse. And as a result, you're going to get lost in the shuffle. Best practice is to follow up now. Yep. Invite them back to the booth, invite them to dinner, invite them to coffee, and then get something on the calendar for next week ahead of time. Like all of these things. That's the way to do it is, is you push them as far down the funnel as you possibly can from the get-go. So uh, one of the things I remember, you actually taught me this. I remember years ago at an AISP event, we were both at uh, an event together and you were telling me, you came up with this idea back then of being like, hey, just book on your calendar now. Like someone's there, talk to them and book. Um, I agree. I think it's better to like, it's almost like when you get on a sales call today, they say, hey, always have a next step. Like you don't want to just get on a call and not have your next step. You yeah. want to have everything kind of lined up and planned. Um, yeah. Why wouldn't you do that in person? So you're doing pre, what's a good way to do like pre-event stuff? What should you do pre-event? So you schedule some meetings, you have your sales team reach out. Do you guys like, if it's a big conference like Saster, you can probably go find a list of people you think might be going or something. But like, how do you yeah. work and research who's going? What, like, how's that work? Well, if it's a big conference like Saster, it's a badge of honor for people to brag about going to Saster. Yeah. So just do some social listening and find people talking about it. Yeah. All of the events also post who their sponsors are. 
that's part of the the benefit of being a sponsor is you get your logo on the event site. Yeah. So you can find them really easily. And then you can also, if you've been to the event before, most people go to the event again and again and again. So you have your past attendee list, you have your uh your previous lead captures from from the event. It's it's not hard. Yeah. Another one, if you're listening, um, you have your sales team work the speaker list. It's not necessarily always going to be sponsors. There's sometimes some great speakers. I remember we got into uh, the company of MongoDB at a previous company because yeah. I saw one of the speakers worked at MongoDB and I reached out to them before the event. Um, I've heard some other people talk about using events to close deals too. And that's actually yeah. really interesting. That's kind of an underrated idea too. I know most people are like, oh, I want to do it for ROI and like getting pipeline and stuff. But like, if you're going to invest in events, you, a lot of the time, especially if it's a big one like Dreamforce or Saster, I remember I was talking to someone uh, at Outreach a couple years ago. This is like five years ago now. But like, I was like, hey, you guys are doing Dreamforce, right? And we were trying to piggyback and figure something out to do to do with them. Yeah. And the person told me on the call, they're like, we mainly do Dreamforce to close deals, not to get deals. And I was like, really? And they talked to me about it, like saying like, the face-to-face -face thing, you can skip 20 meetings if you do everything in person. Yep. Absolutely. That, so that, that's why we do the side events. Right. Yeah. We, we closed deals from Dreamforce. We didn't have a booth, but what we did is we invited some friends, some potential customers and some active customers all together. And we took them out to a Giants game and just got to hang out with them for four hours at a baseball field, talking shop and watching the Giants, unfortunately, lose. Um, but yeah, like I we progressed those deals so much further. Yeah. In the face-to-face -face conversation and the hangout versus going back and forth over email and phone. And the best part is those tickets probably cost less than it would have been to have a booth and sponsor Dreamforce. That's the other part, right? <laughs> we, yeah. The tickets, we got good tickets and they were like 60 bucks a piece. Yeah. You start doing the math out on this stuff. So like, this is a great, great point here. If you create a side event, it also gives you a better excuse on why you're doing the cold outreach prior to the event or the yeah. marketing that you're doing prior to the event. Uh, Zach and I did something uh, for Inbound. We had a little event we did in Boston where uh, the Mobley crew rented out a ping pong place and we had a little ping pong tournament and did like finger foods and like appetizers and stuff and, and beer and stuff. And uh, we made it small. It was really intimate. We had it like... We had too many people sign up, actually. We were past capacity, which is fine. But like we did the side. They moved to a bigger room. Yeah, we, they moved us to a bigger room, which was great. We had like over 80 people go to this thing. And we just basically, everyone just asked some people that they wanted to get in front of. They were in the area and we had a couple partners do it. And like that, we cross-pollinated and had this thing piggybacking off of inbound. And the whole event probably costs maybe one-fourth what it would have cost for uh, one person to have a booth at, at inbound. Yep. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great point. Um, so you, you do pre-event outreach, you look for people that are going there, do social listening, find people using the hashtag, reach out to those people. I remember in the old days of like the golden age of Twitter, where like you could go on like tweet deck and just have a thing open with like an event and just like every tweet that mentions the event and use that as your prospect list. And then you go rip off some emails and calls. Um, I think another important part is to have someone work the event that's not at the event. Yep. Uh, you can have someone have someone like in a command center back at the office that's doing the social listening in real time. 
capitalizing on that stuff. Maybe it's someone in marketing, maybe it's someone in sales and coordinating and communicating with people that are at the event via text message or via something else. I mean, you could do some stuff maybe in mobile too, but like the, the, like the dynamic of like, I'm having someone give you air coverage at home, watching and looking at stuff online so that you can go capitalize and do, do some cool stuff there. Yep. Another underrated part. So you do pre-event outreach and then you get to the event. What's uh, let's say you're doing a normal conference where there's a booth, you get a speaking slot or a panel or something. Um, what are some tricks to get your, your booth traffic up besides location and luck? Like you did the pre-event stuff. So there's people coming over from yeah. that, but like, do you have any other tricks or any other things you could do? It's, I mean, the secret about sales is it's never about you. Right. It like, you know, you know this. It like the the more you talk about yourself, the less people want to hear about you. Yeah, make it about them. Uh, there are fun, engaging ways to have good conversations and have people associate you with a fun, good time, something positive, versus, hey, who do you use for badge scanners? <laughs> right, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Not interested. Thank you. Bye. Um, like you told me about hosting an arm wrestling tournament <laughs> when when a booth yeah. didn't arrive. And, uh, I love it when people do the, they hire a photographer and do free headshots. Yeah. That's right? great. Yeah. Get people there happy, providing real value, uh, things like that, to, that, that they're, they're not necessarily associated with you, but they're adjacent to you and just get them more in a, in a relaxed, um, a relaxed feeling and just associate you with positivity where you're able to have a more casual conversation that just naturally leads to what you're doing. Yeah, one tip I'd recommend is if you can take something that's online or offline and make it online for after the conference, you can do a lot of cool stuff with a booth too. Um, I'll give you another example actually that I, I I liked. I don't think I mentioned this. I was on your podcast too. Do you want to plug your podcast, by the way? Yeah, just replay it, yeah. <laughs> um, go check out Zach. Zach Barty has a fantastic podcast with the Mobley Crew. Go check it out. Um we did something where um, I also will bring a camera and make content with people that are there. Where else are you going to get a bunch of influencers and other companies that are going after the same audience with you? Go film stuff with them and do some, but don't just do like generic, like, Ooh, I'm going to do some thought leadership videos. Hey, what's up? No one wants to see some like that nerd shit. Like what they want to do is like, they want to like have a cool experience. I remember I did something where, um, I went around to the different booths with Rishi who worked with me, who does stand up comedy outside of work. And we just filmed Rishi saying funny things at every booth with people and like making them laugh and stuff. We feature that company. And then when we put the video up, it's a three minute video. We tag every person that's in the video. They reshare it because they're in the video and they get to like, like we would do like fun stuff. Like for example, like what's like, we'd go up to gongs booth and be like, what's gong. And you can't say the word recording or call. <laughs> like and we've like had them try and do it and then do cuts cut 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 and it's like almost like a blooper reel and then gog share it because it's fun and it makes gong look cool and they have a hundred thousand followers on linkedin yeah. and we did that like filming that with a cheap camera at a conference with a little microphone yep um junior lardy who was at pickle and now he's at avoma he uh they went to saster had no budget for a booth so they went around and they did guess the the company just based off of their logo oh that's and, a cool idea like name the yeah name the so just, so you, you just get a bunch of SaaS companies and start with the easy ones the ones you know where the company name is the logo like gong or yeah. mobley yeah and then 
and then yeah just keep advancing to the to the more to more ambiguous ones and they'd give prizes for to get them all and obviously gave publicity to all these companies that were at saster as well the only time you can't film stuff this happened to me this is true las vegas is very weird do you know about this no all right so if you ever go to a conference that you sponsor okay. at one of the casinos all the people that film and record at events have to be part of the teamsters so like hmm. i went to a conference once and i had my try i had a monopod with my camera the same camera i'm using for this podcast right now and i was going around and filming people and talking to them and stuff you know i'd film b-roll and i had some big like muscly dude walk up to me and he's like hey i'm like hey what's up he's like are you uh where's your card and i'm like what do you mean i'm i'm, I'm wearing a, like a lead iq t i'm like i work at lead iq i'm just go filming some stuff from the event he's like are you part of the union i'm like no and he's like i need to take that sd card and wipe it then i was like what and i went to the conference organizers i'm like hey i just want to do some fun videos with people and they were like yeah the casino has rules about like not letting people film on this trade show booth unless they're part of the, the union and i was like holy crap so might be something that it's just a random fun thing to share with people here but like uh, making content events is usually a pretty good idea like you can do a lot of cool stuff with it if you get speakers on i, th I think you got to come up with the ideas ahead of time too like yeah. don't just go there and be like like it's all about preparation like you said zach um the other thing you can do is go film stuff with a customer how many times you're at a booth and your customer comes up and you're like hey what's up yeah it's great to see you hey we're gonna do this event later on tonight hopefully we get to see you you know what i do i go hey when you got five minutes, you want to go film something? Like, let's go do something cool. We'll do all the yep. cutting and editing and stuff. Don't do a case study. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, go do something where they can give you some thought leadership and some opinions on some stuff so that you can go throw it up online afterward. Yeah, we, um, so, so Chris, my co-founder, he has this idea of as we grow as a company, we, we'll actually have the role of a customer marketer. Yeah. And this is not marketing to our customers. This is marketing for our customers. Love it. So, so that with this role, their entire job is to make all of the people who have given us money and shown faith in our company and supported us, giving them a, a platform and a pedestal to, to progress their careers and make them the hero of the story. Um, and so literally like nominating them for awards, creating content for them free of charge, getting them on podcasts and yeah, and speaking stages and, and things like that. Yeah. Like it like it, it kind of goes back to to what I was saying a few minutes ago. Like it's not about you. It's about it's about them. Everything that you do, not just in events, not just in marketing, not just in sales, everything you do should be about the people that you're trying to help. And the karma just comes back and, and helps associate that positivity with your business. So we've tackled pre-events. During yeah. the event, we said make content, do stuff that's about your customer and about your buyer. Um, we talked about doing some, if you want to attract some people to your booth and do some stuff, I'll give you, like, I can give you an antidotal, blah, I can't even say that word, uh, stories. Like, do you know the origin story about the fireplace? No, I just know no. I love it. The whole re I've been doing a fireplace. Wait, it's not a real fireplace, is it? I'm not getting burned for people podcasting. Only listen yeah. to the audio. I'm touching the screen of my fireplace. I've been doing yeah. a fireplace background on videos since 2017. Yeah. The origin story behind it is we were actually at Rainmaker um, sales office user conference that they did. 
We had yep. a really kick-ass cool booth. I th- I love the turnkey booth they had. It looked really beautiful. Yeah. Um, we had like a fun booth. We for days we were doing demos and stuff. The third day, one of our one of our design people that made our video for the booth left and didn't give us a copy of the video, and he was flying home. And so mm-hmm. I panicked. It was like I got to get something on this screen that it needs a. We had a screen on our our booth, so I threw the yeah. fireplace up on the booth. We had like six times as much traffic in one day with the fireplace. People just came up and said, oh, I'm just warming up and making jokes. And they're like, we're like, hey, hey you want some marshmallows? And like by hour two of our booth doing that, like May and a couple other people, Hideki, like went out and bought marshmallows and s'mores and we just started making s'mores for people and stuff. Like That's hilarious. Just, yeah. And it was just a random thing that happened because we didn't have a video for our booth. But like we killed it that third day during the fireplace video. And that's when I started being like, Oh, I'll start doing this in backgrounds for videos and stuff because it's cool. And it makes me relax a little bit too. But like, um, but that's an example of like not making it about you. You, you like another thing that's really popular. We I actually talked about this uh with Jason Hansen at Rapify in our first episode about ambient advertising. And the idea is that like you can do stuff where like you like I'll give you an example. In uh Japan, there was a famous uh non-stick Teflon pan that they made. And they set it up outside of a, co- a convention center for cooks and they hired skateboarders to skate this half pipe that looked like a giant pan and they were dressed as fish. So it looked like fish was just moving in the pan and not sticking. And like, they got a ton of leads from that. Part of the, part of what you can do at conferences is like to disrupt and do some cool stuff is like do some stunts, do some stuff, taking advantage of the environment you're in. Another one that I remember that was always really, really famous um, was WePay. PayPal was doing their, their user conference. And WePay took $10,000, threw it out on the sidewalk outside of the PayPal conference, and then got a giant, giant, huge ice cube and put the ice over the $10,000 and just had people outside that they took, they, they were like, like, try and chisel out the ice and you can get some of the money. And they like froze money in a giant ice cube over the course of a week. And they got more tweets and impressions than like anyone else that was at the PayPal conference, their competitor right outside. So like you can do some cool cover stuff. Um, Zach, I can't remember if you were at Dreamforce the year that I was there um, where Zoho had like, they hired a flyover to do smoke advertising in the sky. Were you there for that? No, but I was I was literally going to say about Zoho at Dreamforce this year. Yeah. They took out ads on every cab and every billboard and every subway sign in all of San Francisco. Like... And it everything, just, oh, literally everything. Every everywhere around Dreamforce was everything else was Zoho. Cool, that's awesome. Yeah, they like so they did something where like when Salesforce announced Einstein, they they had like skywriters write stuff over the Dreamforce outside deck. Like you might think this stuff cost a lot of money. A skywriter to write a message in the sky, it, they charge per letter usually, and flight time and how long and what time of day you want to do it. I bet you that stunt cost them less than $10,000. And they had so many people talking about it, had so many eyeballs on them. Yeah, it was everywhere. I, I, I actually, I took a video of it and put it online. It's my most, it was my most successful tweet I've ever done. Like just people like reshared it and stuff from Dreamforce. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like, I think that like, we're trying to get you creative listening to this being like, man, I don't want to just mail it in and do the normal conference thing. You can attack it, do something cool. I die and I remember we did something. So our company was founded at a, um, in a dorm room 
And we actually, for, there was a Boston tech event. We just took our booth and said, yeah, we don't want it. Don't set it up, please. And we literally just made a dorm room with Mario Kart and like let people hang out. And like, we had a Mario Kart tournament to see who had, like got the best time on one map or something. Awesome. Yeah. Like it's, that stuff's kind of probably a little overdone now, but like, it's still like, you can still do some creative stuff at a conference. Zach, let's, we got a couple minutes left. Um, let's wrap up by asking, what do you do after an event? So like you, you get someone, they, let's say you use Mobley and they're now in your systems and integrated yeah. in 11 seconds. Um, what do you say? What do you do? Like, what's the right approach? So you follow up immediately. Yeah. Like, I mean, ideally you have something nailed down on the calendar and if not, then you follow up immediately and it's not boring marketing drip. I am so anti-marketing drip emails after events and, you know, marketing has to have their attribution and make sure the messaging is on point. No, be a freaking human <laughs> and follow up with real things with context around, um, around the conversation you had and show people that they are not just a number, right? So the way I like as a, as a recovering VP of sales, I would have, um, the people that were working at the booth would get the lion's share of the leads because yeah. they built that connection. Even if it wasn't their territory, even if it wasn't their vertical, whatever, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they get to be the ones to follow up and they could follow up with that personal connection. And if they weren't following up with a personal connection, if they were just throwing in some random cadence, then they lost the, the privilege of, of being able to work event leads because like just keep the connection going. Yeah. You're paying all this money and all this time to be there in person and look people in the eyes. So keep that connection going with real like individual based follow-up, but do it frequently and often and quickly. Each person that uh, you talk to at a conference, even if they're not ready to buy now, could at least potentially lead to a referral too. Like, I yeah. think that's another thing too. Um, it should go without saying, if you're a rep listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to get a little, uh, some tips for field marketing and event marketing add all these people on LinkedIn, like start adding them, engage with their content. That should be the CTA that you do when you have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. So here's, here's one thing. I mean, I am going to do a little plug for Mobley. Yeah. When do you it. capture somebody's lead in Mobley and it is instantly enriched, you can connect with them on LinkedIn from the app. And it actually logs that you connected with them on LinkedIn as an activity back in your CRM as well. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That, nothing and then else a follow-up is... text. Yeah. Find them on Facebook, whatever, all through, all through Mobley. It gives you dibs, which is really great. Um, I also think, I, I, I think when you're actually at your booth working, it sounds weird. It's really important to team sell too. Like don't fight over the leads with someone else. Work with people together. CC them all and you guys can kind of divide and conquer and split it. I think that it's not a bad approach either. Yeah. I, I worked in companies where you know, it'd be like a an SMB focused event, but but because the enterprise rep had one potential deal there, they would go to the event as well. They wouldn't wear the company stuff. They would just show up in a blazer and anybody that talked to them that wasn't in their assigned named account, they would just be like, yeah, go talk to this person. And they wouldn't contribute. Uh, so, so the last piece of advice I would give before we wrap up is Yes, the team approach is important, but if if not everybody on your team has that mindset, don't send them to the effing conference. <laughs> like only send the people that have that approach that are they're personable and they care about the business and are aggressive in 
in their activity, not not in their personality, but in in actually getting stuff done. Those are the people you want there. It does not matter what their role is. It does not matter what their territory is. If they do not have a team mindset and if they are not willing to talk to any and everybody, like they need to be drinking the company Kool-Aid hard yeah. or else they shouldn't be at the event. Zach, that's a great place to stop for now. We're going to totally do more with you on event stuff and we'll dive into this stuff and follow the Mobley journey. I'm really excited about it. Uh, what do you want to plug? Where do you want to send people? Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Go to getmobley.com. Download the app. You get 10 free credits to try us out. Uh, so if you got some old business cards sitting at your desk, download the app and scan the cards and see what happens. It's, Ooh. It doesn't bite. Ooh. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping we can do an event this year and then I can be like, hey, I'm going to use Mobley and try it out and get to mess around with it. Um, thank you for doing that. On our end, obviously this podcast is brought to you by Pitchfire. If you are someone that says, take me off your list a lot, boy, do we have a place for you. You can send people that are cold prospecting you to Pitchfire and they can pay you to respond to them. If you work in marketing or sales or demand gen, you can get a response from somebody with very little effort. It, it, you just pay them to respond to you. It's pretty easy. Zach, you've you've used us, right? I do. Yeah, a I lot. Lo I love seeing the. Feed, I, it's not that I have. Doing. I do use you all the time. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. By the way, uh, and you got some good stuff out of it. You got some bites. So, um, yeah, I've got some good opportunities. I will plug Pitchfire as well. Also, last thing to plug, you got to go check out Zach's episode. Uh, where can we find the episode that you'll be on for the entrepreneur, uh, the elevator pitch? So just go to YouTube. Yep. Entrepreneur elevator pitch season 10. Okay. Um, I don't like the episodes aren't numbered. So you kind of got to find me that there are three people on our episode, myself, uh, a bald guy in a white button down t-shirt or white button down shirt and a lady in like a pink um blazer those are the three of us that are on this episode so i don't know what the the image looks like yet but you'll find us there's like six episodes in we, season 10 we will be careful not to post this until that's live thank you everyone for listening we'll talk to you soon thank you all Thanks, right Zach.